We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me, regular guest on the show, Justin Thomas of Nets Republic. Justin, sadly, a Nets loss to the Blazers, 108-114. How are you feeling? It's past midnight. My bets failed. Another loss to an inferior opponent. You know, it is what it is. Yeah, it's a painful night. And like you said, uh, we lost our bets. You know, he lost his. I lost mine. Nets are part of the reason why. So shout out to them for that. We're going to jump into this breakdown and plenty more. Check the buzz on all stream platforms. Now, Justin, what was the most aggravating thing about this loss? Uh, well, I guess I'll start with the starting lineup. Um, I wasn't a fan of the David Duke Jr., Bembry, Claxton front court. Um, I've said it on the pod before. I love David Duke Jr., love the energy he brings. I just don't think he fits into the starting lineup, um, at least not now. And I, if there's any rookie that needs to be in the starting lineup, he's not it. Um, like I said, it's, it's not a knock on him. I just think that either Kessler Edwards or Cam Thomas just brings a little bit more uh, to the team in terms of just, just starting the game. Because the Nets have just, the whole season, just have uh, historically been slow starters. Um, and that's kind of been exacerbated with David Duke Jr. in the lineup. So that was probably my biggest gripe. And we saw in the first half, like, especially in the first quarter, it was just Kyrie and Katie kind of just doing ISO stuff because the spacing was bad. It wasn't until the second quarter when Kessler and Cam and Patty came in that you really saw the offense start to click. Yeah, and that's a great point. And, uh, you know, we've discussed on other shows, just David Duke Jr., you know, he's got the run. He's got the opportunity. You saw what he can do. I think, you know, the experiment's probably over because it just makes life more difficult for Kyrie and KD. And then it also just, you know, stagnates the offense because, like you're saying, you're not getting that spacing. And now you're, you know, you started him with Bembry. You started him with Nick Claxton. Now it's just so much easier to give attention and shut down that paint. And then also, you know, David Duke Jr., you know, has a lot of potential defensively, but there's still some of those rookie mistakes. And especially to start off a game, giving up some easy baskets, not always the best case. And like you alluded to, you know, the Blazers won the first quarter of this game. It felt like the Nets might start it down 10 if it wasn't for Kyrie and KD getting hot, knocking down some big shots. So overall, just how the minutes are staggered and how the lineup combinations are put out there, it's like, you know, I saw someone point this out on Twitter. It's like Steve Nash, like either leans into something super heavy 
or goes in the complete opposite directions. You know, we asked for some rookies to get minutes. He played every single rookie and made him part of the rotation. You know, we asked for them to play some shooters and offensive guys. And sometimes we'll play a lineup that just is offensive, not even one, you know, decent defender out there. So it's just like trying to find that balance or even the combination of like some nights he'll play double digit players, some nights he'll play eight players. So it's just really all over the place. It feels like Nash is really unsure what he can get from this roster, and that makes it even tougher for the players because they're not sure what their role is on this team. Yeah, like, does it just feel weird that, you know, like we're we're asking Nash to do all these things, and it's like, well, we see it on TV, right? Or we see yep. it when we go to the games, and obviously Nash is no one head head coach, and he's in there with practice and things like that. But if it if it's so obvious to us. Is there something else we're just not seeing? Like it, it, it feels just like too obvious to just for him not to do some of these things. Honestly, I don't know. I wish I had the answer on that one. I mean, it's just like some of the stuff does seem really obvious. Like you mentioned, you know, maybe a rookie who should be in the starting lineup would be someone like Kessler Edwards gives you that same energy, gives you the defense, but also gives you a floor spacer. And now, you know, you're a little bit more balanced in that aspect. Or, you know, like you mentioned before on a previous show, maybe that's Cam Thomas or somebody in that starting lineup. It's just, I'm not sure. It just feels like Nash is having his rookie moments as a head coach this season rather than last season, where I thought last season it was very solid. There wasn't really that many hiccups. And I think the roster also forced him to play a certain way, where now it's like he has different options, and each of those options is drastically different, and he's not sure which way to go. Yeah, I mean, we might just be seeing a combination of a lot of moving parts. I mean, last season the Nets had, you know, they they always seem to have two, uh, you know, superstars on, on the floor at the same time. Um, even though they only got eight games as the big three together. Uh, you know, you also see it in, in, in the roster construction. Last season, they had a, a bunch more floor spacers. I mean, they leaned heavily into offense. Uh, you also saw the impact that Mike D'Antoni had as as, yep. a, as a lead assistant on the team. And you can definitely see it's night and day, um, you know, between I know earlier in the season, people were like, oh, yeah, the Nets are kind of leaning into defense. And, you know, you watch and it's like, well, I don't know if they're really leaning into defense, it's just their offense. They just don't have the luxury of saying, oh, we can drop 130 points every night. We might actually have to try and get some stops. Yeah, there was a lot of players on the roster last year that could knock down the three, also handle the basketball and make some plays. You know what I mean? You know, finish a layup or do some different things at the rim where there's some guys that just aren't offensively skilled. And then there's also some guys in this roster that just might be a little bit more past their prime than, you know, Sean Marks thought, and they're just not performing at a high level. You know, one guy that sticks out is Blake Griffin. Great for the Nets last year. Looked like he was recharged joining this team. You know, zero points, 0-4 from the field, 0-1 from three, two rebounds, three assists, and a couple missed layups in this one. Blake's not really providing the Nets anything at the moment. He's not. You know, it's, it's, it's pretty much uh, night and day from last season. Uh, you also see the Nets miss having somebody that can shoot uh, from the perimeter in their front court. Uh, I think, you know, a big missing piece is Jeff Green. I know you alluded to that in the yeah. uh, when we did the Bucks uh, podcast, but yet, yeah, you know, not having that release valve of having a guy, a front court guy that can space the floor. Uh, you knew you were hoping that Blake could come back and do some of that uh, this season. You know, Lamarcus can do it at times, but other than that. You know, you can't really rely on a James Johnson or even when he's in the game, rarely uh, Paul Mills have to do it. So that's also another thing that hinders the Nets. Yeah, I mean, Blake Griffin last year shot, you know, what was it, 37 percent from three? He was good from there. And that created some options for the Nets offense. It made, you know, dribble handoffs a little bit easier, setting some of those screens. It made the defense, you know, have to make a decision. Now it's just like 
this guy can't even finish a lap on his own. You know, there was opportunities for him to throw down some crazy dunks. And like, obviously he doesn't have that pop anymore, but still go up there hard. You might get to the free throw line and end up just being Blazers ball. And it's just a lost opportunity. And, you know, obviously we hope he can get back to some resemblance of last season, but who really knows at this point for the time being, you know, Nash, maybe try out Millsap. We saw Dagron Sharp get big minutes tonight. I don't think that's something the Nets expected to do at this point in the season, unless it was a blowout. But credit Dayron Sharp, who really stepped up in the opportunity, 24 minutes, 14 points, seven rebounds, two assists, and three blocks. What did you think of Dayron tonight? I mean, what isn't what, what isn't there to say about Dayron? I mean, this was arguably the, his best performance of the season. Um, you know, I have I can't really say it's the best performance of his time as a as a net because I haven't watched much of him in Long Island when he's there. But I mean, for the minutes he provided, stepping up in relief of Claxton, who was in foul trouble all night. I mean, you couldn't have asked for any more from him. Uh, he was banging in the post. He did his best against Nurkic. I mean, you know, there were times where Nurkic just schooled him on the boards or schooled him in the post with, you know, some drop steps, some post moves. But it that, that's fine. He's a rookie. He's going to learn, you know, the tricks of the trade. But fighting on the boards, it was great. He went up, contested a, a Dennis Smith Jr.'s dunk yep. attempt, uh, which ended up being Nets ball. I think the his best play on defense, though, was when he went out to the perimeter uh, I forget who exactly he was guarding. It might have been Nasir Little. Uh, poked the ball away and then dove for it. Yep. I mean, that – and then I think the Nets got the uh, steal on the ensuing um, inbounds. But, I mean, that play in itself encapsulates the, the you know, the performance that uh, Dayron had tonight. Yeah, I mean, he's a big, big man. And he hit that ground hard for that tip. So credit him for hustling. Honestly, his most impressive play for me was he had an isolation. Uh, he got switched on to uh, Simons, and he had him one-on-one, -on -one, and he locked him up and got a block, which is just tough to do, especially, like I said, like he is a really big human. To move the way he did, I was impressed. And I think that was probably the most impressive thing for me, for Sharp, because that's an area of something I didn't think that he could do, like I, I, at least at the NBA level. And not to say that he can do it consistently. You know, we still have to see more of that, but that's promising for him to stay on the floor because I thought defensively would always be his issue in the NBA because he's not that elite athlete. It's not like he's a, a player that plays above the rim, but if he can switch out a little bit, move his feet well, and like you said, on that Dennis Smith Jr. block, you know, just kind of use his big body and use that verticality. Like, he's he's a man to move. And offensively, 6-6, six six, finished all of his layups, did a good job in there. And one thing he does on the floor that the Nets desperately need, other than rebounding, which is obvious, he sets good screens. Like, he creates space for Kevin Durant to get open and shoot shots. Same thing for Kyrie Irving. Obviously, you mentioned it. There's, there's some rookie mistakes. There's rookie mistakes from all the rookies tonight. But that's what you get when you play a guy – for the first time, his first real minutes, essentially uh, playing over 20, and he performed well. Oh, yeah. No, and I, I thought another play that stood out to me was uh, the fast break, uh, the two-on-one with him and KD. You know, he's running right with KD. He ends up yep. getting um, the foul going to the free throw line, and I thought that was key because outside of Nick Clacks, and I don't think there's another guy in the front court that can run in out in transition like that. You know, maybe James Johnson every once in a while. Um but to have a guy, of, especially of his size, to be able to move like that down the floor, that's a plus. You know, and going back to what you said on the defensive end, um, you know, it's, it's the same thing. Nick Claxton is, 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 is the only guy in the front court you know that can guard, uh, you know, basically one through four, one through five. You know, say what you want about him getting you know, bullied in the paint, but at least he can go out there. He's not going to be food and drop coverage or not when switch. If Dayron could even be half of what, uh, Claxton can be on the perimeter. I mean, that's that, that's a huge plus for the Nets. 
Because as we see, LaMarcus Aldridge can't be in that role. Yep. Blake Griffin really kind of can't be in that role. Paul Millsap can't get off the bench, so we don't know if he can be in that role. So, you know, this this was a very, very positive outing for Dayron, which means Nash is going to hide him on the bench for the next four games, and we're not going <laughs> to get a chance to see if this is just a flash in a pan or if it was actually Dayron's coming out party. Yeah, I mean, at the very least, I think you have to try to infuse some minutes of Dayron Sharp just for the energy. Like you said, on that transition bucket, somebody who gets out and runs, like, it hurts the other bigs to run that fast other than Claxton. Like, Blake Griffin, LaMarcus Aldridge, Paul Millsap, they don't want to sprint like that. So, you know, credit Sharp hustling out there. I was impressed, and I wasn't, like, the biggest Sharp supporter in terms of getting minutes, but given the rest of the big rotation and how these guys are playing— why not test out the kid? Because at least he he cleans up on the boards too. And that's obviously an area the Nets have pretty much sucked this season and last season. So a plus there. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, moving over to Kyrie Irving, who we got to see again, second game of the season, 22 points, 40 minutes, 9 and 21 from the field, 3 of 8 from 3, uh, 8 rebounds, 4 assists, 1 steal, 1 block, 4 turnovers. What did you think of Kyrie? I thought he looked good. You know, second game, second NBA game, uh, still getting his bearings. You can see the dribble is not as sharp Yep. Um, as, as we're used to it, which is fine. You know, it's just, you know, he hasn't gone up against probably live d defenses in, you know, six plus months, um, you know, outside of probably training camp and the few practices he's probably been a part of. So that's fine. Uh, you know, I saw a few loose balls from him. But other than that, you know, it's the same old Kyrie. He's getting into the paint, uh, you know, his tough contested floaters, tough, tough fadeaways. 
things like that. I mean, he had the one nice transition play uh, where he got the ball, uh, and it was it looked really congested. I didn't know how he was going to fit the pass in, but with his left hand, got it to David Duke Jr., yeah. who went in for a uh, layup that was actually a goal 10, which is also another thing as to why it's important to have Kyrie Irving, not just another guy that can score the basketball, but who else is going to run out in transition? You know, I thought I think the Nets have had – I don't know what the exact stat is, but I'm not a big fan of how the Nets have not gotten out in transition this season as opposed to last season. And granted, it's, it's probably due because of, you know, we have some lumbering bigs, some veterans that aren't – can't the knees don't work as much. But with Kyrie Irving, as soon as he gets the ball on uh, off the defensive end, you're liable for a, a transition bucket anytime. Yeah, he's a one-man fast break. He can take a 3v1 and end up with a bucket or just set somebody up with an easy pass, like you said. The handle's a touch-off, but you know I think they'll get a little bit crispy. A couple shots that he typically hits that were a little bit off in this one, but I think a good sign was we saw him attempt eight threes in this game. Nets desperately need someone to start shooting threes. You know, A couple pull-up ones mixed in there, and he went three of eight, so that's a plus. Give you some more spacing on the floor, a little bit more gravity. And I think defensively, you know, on ball, he's done a nice job of kind of just being active, getting his hands in there. I think off ball, we occasionally see him get lost on screens, which is just something for his size. You know, one that sticks out is that uh, Malcolm Moore three late in the fourth quarter where he just couldn't get around the Nurkic green. So, but overall, you know, I think the level in which he's playing at, given that he hasn't played in months, is kind of incredible. Obviously, Nets lost, so we're not going to jump too much into it. But the fact that he's come back in back-to-back games in which he's played and dropped 20 points, like he's still Kyrie Irving after not playing for months and everybody else kind of in mid-season form, it's really incredible for how skilled he is. I know. No, absolutely. And I'm excited to see what he's going to look like in now – I guess a kind of a normal setting and they'll have a day off and then they's right back into action as opposed to last time where he had five days off yep. in between. So this will be good. Um, that's on the road again. So. And they got a little road trip, you know, they got some home games mixed in, but what was it like? They have like double digit away games over the course of the next couple of weeks. So he should be able to find some rhythm. Yeah. I think it was right before the Pacers game. The stat was they have 17 road games in their next 23 games. Uh, so we'll be seeing a lot of Kyrie Irving, uh, and the Nets are, you know, great on the road. This was just their fourth road loss. They hadn't lost on the road since, what was it, like December 8th or something like that. And that was another game against a, you know, kind of bottom feeder team in the Houston Rockets. Yep. You know, granted, Kevin Durant didn't play, but, you know, still, you know, these these teams are supposed to take care of. These are like, these are the uh, stat sheet stuffer wins, you know, that you pad your win-loss record with. But, but yeah, overall, Kyrie, you know, Good, good performance. Excited to see what he's going to do against Chicago. Yeah, I mean, these are the type of games that you should be winning by double digits and playing the rookies in the fourth quarter to get those extra reps rather than, you know, fighting with a team missing their top two players and some other key pieces. But moving on to the other net superstar, Kevin Durant, 28 points, 9 of 19 from the field, 2 of 7 from 3, 8 of 8 from the free throw line, 10 rebounds, 5 assists, 2 steals, 1 block, 1 turnover. But he did play 42 minutes. Good game for KD, but too many minutes on a back-to-back. Yeah, it's, it's just too many. And, you know, Steve Nash said in the, well, I believe, what, the post game, he was like, yeah, some of these guys are gassed. Well, it's like, well, damn, Steve, you're the one that controls all this. <laughs> uh, you know, you figure it out. You know, you, you can't be looking like, what's, what's the uh, the meme? Or it's like, we're all just trying to find the guy who's responsible. You know, that, that's, it's you, Steve. Um, <laughs> you're in but, charge of the minutes. <laughs> yes, you, 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 it's you. There's nobody else. You know, I don't know. You're the only one that can solve this mystery. Scooby-Doo and the gang aren't coming through those doors, but... <laughs> Yeah, no, you know, another good, solid performance from KD. I thought, you know, he missed a few shots that he normally hits. Um, I thought he got a, 
I thought he was getting a horrible whistle. Yeah, uh, there were quite a few times where he where he drove either for a layup or went for a uh, you know one of his patented like twelve foot jumpers where he got fouled and the refs weren't calling anything, which is weird because they seem to call everything for the Trailblazers, especially uh, Nurkic. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't realize that Nurkic got a be- has this better superstar whistle than Kevin Durant, but these these are just things that happen when you're a Nets fan, I guess. But yeah, no, great, good, good, good performance from KD. Um, you know, picked up the slack. You know, I, I liked how he meshed with the rookies. Uh, whenever the rookies made mistakes, he was there giving them a high five, you know, letting them know it wasn't too bad. I mean, there were times where he was yelling. I remember there was the one play uh, second half in the fourth quarter on the sideline where he ended up turning the ball over and he was yelling at Dayron because Dayron kept was too far up yep. uh, setting the screen. Uh, and he should have he should have been back more. But other than that, you know, he's showing good leadership out there. He, he's doing what you ask. We yeah. ask for his teammates to help him. <laughs> Pretty much. And I mean, it's tough for the Nets, too. It's like we were joking about it before we jumped on. But Steve Nash kind of leaned into playing all the rookies. You know, a lot of us, you know, media, podcasters, Twitter, whatever it is, have been asking for the rookies to play. But now he's kind of given that full dose of playing all four of them. And now you're getting like instead of, you know, some rookie mistakes from one or two guys, you're having four guys on the floor and they're all kind of making those mistakes because they haven't really been developed much this season other than, you know, a Cam Thomas. David Duke Jr.'s gotten some decent minutes, but still not enough where he has that experience in the NBA. So that's putting even more pressure on Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving to not only like score the basketball and do those things, but mentally kind of help the guys understand where they need to be. You know, you constantly see Kyrie and KD giving these guys just little tips here and there. Yeah, you know, and, and that, that's what you love from your superstars, um, you know, especially in this kind of weird year. Yep. Um, it, it, you know, you got you to gotta lean on some of your, you know, your vets. Nets, I think the Nets have a very good core of, of, of veteran guys. Um, you know, the, a lot of, uh, what is it, open books. You know, yep. it, 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 just, it just feels like, you know, the rookies can go to them at any time, um, especially when these guys have been watching these, uh, you know, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, James Harden for their entire childhoods. You know, now being able to play alongside with them, um, it's probably a dream come true. So, you know, it's, it's great on the Nets for having guys like that. Um, and we see, you know, these these rookies have grown up before our eyes. And it's definitely, a, you know, because of the leadership that uh, the vets are uh, providing. Yeah. And talking about some other rooks, you know, Cam Thomas tonight, 26 minutes, 21 points, 8 of 12 from the field, 4 of 7 from 3, 3 rebounds, uh, 3 steals, you know. This was a really good game from Cam. There was a couple of rookie mistakes mixed in there, but offensively, this this is where we saw uh, some more of the bag. Yeah, I believe the 21 is a career high, a new career high for uh, Cam, so let's go. Um, and 8 of 12, KD efficiency out here. Look at that. The Cam <laughs> Thomas agenda rolls on. Um, but yeah, no, great game from Cam. You could see early on in the game, hit two threes, and I was like, okay. Two two three pointers from game. We're lucky if we get one three pointer from game. Yeah. We got two in the first quarter. I was like, all right, this is gonna be a, this is gonna be a good game. You know, naively thinking, but <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it was great great performance from Cam. You know, timely. I thought Cam actually provided some timely buckets for the Nets in I believe that third quarter when the um when the Blazers were kind of like pulling away. They had just gotten the lead to like six or seven. Cam was keeping it close. I think he had a, his own like five zero spurt. You know, to keep the Nets just within, like, striking distance, which I thought was key. But, yeah, overall, man, Cam Thomas making shots. Word to Kyrie. I mean, because some of the shots Cam takes is just absolutely ridiculous. I mean, the, the double pump he yeah. had right before halftime. I mean, come on. like who, He made it look normal, too. He, who taught him that, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, 
So, you know, it's 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 good to see. It's very encouraging to see. It's which also goes to the point like why was he being buried on the bench for so long? Yeah. And it's interesting because they gave him a decent amount of responsibility in this game. He was running the offense. Like he was on the floor with the superstar, but he was bringing the ball up, setting up some of the plays. He made a couple mistakes here and there, but that's pretty big keys to give him after not playing him games and being unsure if he was ready for NBA minutes. So credit him kind of picking up the load, a real, a couple of really nice drives in this game, especially attacking off closeouts. We also got that step back three in this one. And you mentioned it, you know, he had that little spurt. He also had that play where he had to steal in the layup while the layup ended up being a goaltend, but it was just like there was a couple good defensive plays. Yeah, there were some bad ones mixed in too, but there was at least two deflections and that one steal and, you know, layup and transition, which is always a plus, especially for a guy that's was supposed to have really bad defense coming to the NBA. Yeah, I mean, we always talk about how the one thing we appreciate about Cam is his effort. You know, yeah, the, the defensive skill is something that's hard to teach. You know, defense is, is 80, 85% effort. You know, the others is just kind of like luck and just having, you know, the athleticism to, you know, move laterally. But at least Cam tries, you know, you never really see him take plays off. Is he in the wrong position sometimes? Yeah. But that'll come with just more repetitions and, you know, just getting a better feel for the game. But overall, you know, you got to love the the energy he brings. He's excited to be in the game. You can tell Um, even though his face doesn't really show (laughs) his excitement level. You can tell by just the level of play that he brings the level of intensity that it, when he's out there uh, that, that he's excited to be on the court. Yeah, the only way he smiles is if he hits a game winner. You know, he hit it one against the Spurs. We saw a smile. We saw a little laugh in there, too. So that's good for Cam. But moving on to the other rookie, Kessler Edwards, 15 minutes, 2 of 7 from the field, 1 of 3 from 3, 5 rebounds, 5 points, um, 1 steal. Not a great Kess game. There's a couple laugh opportunities where he kind of fumbled a bag in that situation. But overall, I think he did a lot of the things you expect, you know, one of three from three, not great, but still knocked down a three. And I thought defensively had some good moments, but also some rookie moments too. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I liked how he, when he was on the floor, the Nets offense looked spaced, you know, he's in the corner where you want him to be shooting it. You know, one, you know, he missed uh, the his first two before making the third, but they all looked in rhythm. None of them look rushed. Uh, like to your point, he did miss a few layups. I thought the one layup that he missed in the second half after he got the steal, after the day run sharp, um, yeah you know, play. I thought that was a key turning point because it kind of shifted momentum back to the Blazers. Uh, I thought, you know, like, yeah, you, he did. He got fouled. So he did, you know, he, he got did. smacked in the mouth. <laughs> um, you know, I get it. One V one, you know, you think you could take him, but maybe that's a, ch- that's an opportunity, you know, next time, pull Just it back out, it. reset it, you know, get the ball into Kyrie, get the ball to cam or somebody like that. Uh, reset the offense, get a better shot. You know, you can turn a good shot into a great shot. And that's something that, you know, as a rookie, he'll learn. Other than that, I thought defensively he did okay. There was a few times where Anthony Simons absolutely shook him out of his shoes. Yeah. Um, that's not his fault, though. I mean, look, Anthony Simons has a sneakily good uh, dribble package. Yeah. Um, but other he, than he that. He pretty much got everybody on the Nets tonight. He I did. Think, yeah. Even KD he caught in the fourth quarter. So, you know, overall, like, I'm not going to put too much slack onto onto Cass. He had a nice putback dunk off of the yeah. off of Patty Mills miss. So, these these are important minutes. These these are, these are good minutes for him to play with the with, with the stars. You know, get reps uh, because hey, we it looks like we're gonna need some of these rookies later on in the season and maybe in the playoffs. 
Yeah, I mean, five rebounds, too. And I think also Kess is probably a guy that would play well with James Harden. We give him that corner option. You know, that's a pass that he loves to make, especially when he's running the pick and roll. Hasn't really had many guys to throw into the corner for threes this season. So maybe Kess can find some room there. I think out of most of the rooks, I think Cam Thomas is the guy that's really impressed. So it's hard to say what he's going to be in the rotation. But Kess is the guy that I have right behind him that I'd like to see and get an opportunity because I think some of his mistakes, too, was just like lack of reps. Like you mentioned that transition opportunity, I think understanding you know, hey, you know, this is the NBA. There's going to be a lot of great athletes. I maybe I'm not going to win all these situations, especially if I don't have any type of advantage. So happy with him. Happy he got minutes. But moving on from there, uh, we can talk a little bit about David Duke Jr. We did mention with the starting lineup, but five points, two of five from the field, one of two from three, two rebounds, two assists. Not a super impactful game for uh, David Duke Jr. Yeah, not really. He's kind of giving me some Bruce Brown vibes because he keeps missing. I've noticed over the past few games, he misses some, I guess, not easy layups, but makeable layups. Um, Right in the first quarter, I think it was like the first possession of the game or second possession of the game, he missed a a driving left-handed layup. And I get it, he's a righty, but still, like, these are some of the plays that are important to make. And the the coaching staff is looking at you to make these plays, especially when you're in the starting lineup. Um, You know, as I said earlier, I think he's better suited coming off the bench in 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 an energy role. You know, he did... You know, he did some stuff uh, when the Nets were making their run in that first half. Uh, but overall, not not his best game. I honestly thought that every rookie played better than every veteran, um, aside, you know, obviously aside from Katie and Kyrie, um, except for David Duke Jr. But it doesn't mean, like, you know, I'm killing him, like, oh, just bury him on the bench again. Because I do think he provides, you know, adequate things that some other Nets don't. Yeah, I mean, the rookies almost got as much minutes as the veterans, which is definitely something interesting for this team considering the outcome. I mean, you're looking at 24 minutes for Dayron Sharp, 15 for Kess, 26 for Cam, uh, 13 for David Duke Jr., and then, you know, subtract the superstars. You're only looking at 17 for DeAndre Bembry, uh, 11 for Blake, 7 for James Johnson, and 32 for Patty Mills. So what were your thoughts on Steve Nash going, you know, full rookie, four of them in, you know, instead of kind of trying to balance them maybe with some of the veterans. Was that the right move to deal with this situation? Obviously very unique given the Nets played at 12 p.m., you know, yesterday on the East Coast and then playing tonight 10 p.m. on the West Coast. Yeah, I think it might have had something to do with, you know, just having younger, fresher legs. Yep. I was surprised to see Dayron Sharp um, in the ball game late only because the Nets— He looked tired. He did. No, he did, and I, mean, I, would, I would understand, too, yeah. I mean, after not having, you know— Coming off a guy that only really sees the floor for garbage time and having to play big minutes down the stretch, I thought the Nets would kind of go to what they did similar in that Pacers game where they went small with Katie at the five um, and just kind of like just went open. But I'm not mad at it. You know what? If, if there's one silver lining in this loss, it's that the rookies, you know, got some extended minutes. They they were the reasons why the Nets were in the game. You know, outside of the superstars, they were the reasons why the, the, the game was close. They were the reasons why they were – able to kind of claw back in that one. So not mad at it. Uh, you know, maybe there was times where you could have had another veteran on the court, but overall, I'm, I'm, I'm not mad at Nash. That's the one thing I'm not mad at Nash for is, is having, you know, a bunch of those rookies out on the same time. Yeah. My, my argument would be if you're going to lean into the rookie so hard that then make sure you're not overplaying Kevin Durant. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if you're you're going to be like, you know what, this is kind of a game that we don't not care about, but it's not a game that we're going to commit a ton to winning. 
let's make sure we only play Kevin Durant 35 and make sure we play, you know, Kyrie 35 or something instead of kind of maxing those guys out and, you know, use it as kind of a learning experience. Cause like you said, there's plenty of benefit from this game. You know, David Duke Jr. Like we mentioned, didn't necessarily have the biggest pop, but cam, you know, showcase some more things offensively looked better, kind of having a little bit of the offensive load on his shoulders. And then Daron Sharp, monster on the boards obviously had some defensive impact in miss a layup and Kessler Edwards is kind of just that three and D role player. We're looking for the nets to have. Yeah. You know, but I guess, it, I don't know. It's like, you, you want to not take these losses to heart. You know, you, you realize it's January, what 11th. Um, you know, these games really won't matter in the grand scheme of things. You know, when they have their 49th, 50th, when you're like, Oh yeah. I remember when they lost to the, you know, the blazers, but, yeah, no, to your point, th- these are the games where if you wanted to steal minutes for Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving, you know, this was this was it. You know, you saw the production that your rookies were giving you. All right, maybe ease off the break. You know what, in that fourth quarter, hey, rookies, you go out there and win the game for us. Um, you know, throw out maybe a, James, throw out a James Johnson to help them out, something like that. Maybe throw out a Paul Millsap or Bruce Brown just to, like, kind of be a, an inviting voice. Not an inviting voice, a calming voice. You know, we saw yeah. it in the uh, – what was it, the uh, the Memphis game, when they had that big comeback, it was all rookies and Bruce Brown, right? Yep. So you can do it. We've seen it work. So if, if, if this is the route you want to take and you don't want to overwork uh, Kevin Durant, then you know what? You might have to bite the bullet in some of these games. Yeah, I mean, it just seems like there's not really necessarily a, a strict plan from Steve Nash in terms of what he wants to do. You know what I mean? Like what his goal of this game is or, you know, what he's trying to do. It's like just a lot of experiments, you know, throughout the season. At one point, it feels like, oh, yeah, I'm like into this lineup next game. I'm just going something completely different. And I think the thing that makes it frustrating and obviously the Blazer game and a loss in January doesn't really matter. It's just this last stretch of Nets basketball just hasn't been very promising. And I'm not sure, you know, some of it could be as simply as Joe Harris coming back, adding three point shooting and another, you know, good player to the to the rotation. But as of right now, they're they're having issues kind of get, getting that synergy, like I talked about in the last show, you know, synergy offensively at times and synergy defensively, just a lot of guys not on the same page. And some of that's just the rotation constantly playing, you know, rookies not having experience and the whole COVID break thing that the Nets had. So there's a lot of different factors, but it's just frustrating because it just seems like everything's so out of funk. Yeah, and this happens with every championship team. I mean, aside from maybe like the 73 and 9 Warriors, every championship team goes through like this kind of like drought or this kind of like rough patch where you lose like, you know, you lose five of seven or, you know, in your last 10, you're four of six. Uh, you know, it just kind of just feels like we're in the dog days, like kind of like baseball. You're just in the dog days of like August and the team is just kind of in a in a, in a malaise. Um, Will they get out of it? Yeah, and maybe maybe it is as, as easy of a fix as just Joe Harris coming back. Um, I saw the report that said like he hadn't been doing court work yet. Um, but even you saw with Kyrie Irving on the on, on the floor that the three point shooting, which has been a big problem for the Nets over the last few games, rightly improved. They were nine of nineteen in the first half. That was like forty seven percent. I know the Blazers ended up out shooting them in the second half. They just happened to catch fire. But still, like you could see some positives. But you're also seeing the negatives rear, rear their ugly heads. And, you know, it's just it's it's on the guys. You know, I don't I don't know. You know, Nash has his faults, too. But there's also, you know, this also falls on the players. 
Yeah, I mean, guys have to play, make the right plays, not make mistakes and execute down the stretch. And obviously some of this, too, is, you know, like we alluded to, they did play yesterday at 12 p.m. And now they flew across the country and played at 10 p.m. against the Blazers. And now they have another matchup against the Bulls on Wednesday at 10 p.m. as well. So just, you know, some different things to deal with overall. But, Justin, anybody else you want to kind of dive into? Obviously, Nick Claxton had foul trouble. DeAndre Bembry uh, just kind of did his thing. Nothing crazy to talk about. Yeah, no, I mean, there's not not much to talk about with Bembry. Um, you know, he kind of did Bembry things. Not exciting, but, you know, not worth mentioning. Yeah, I mean, it's just, I guess, unfortunately, another three-point performance, 30-minute three-point performance from Patty Mills. And, mm. you know, it's, it's, it's very concerning. I mean, he only took five shots, only one three-pointer, which came at a big time in the fourth. But still, you would think with the the amount of shots that even, like, Cam Thomas took, you would think Patty Mills would get more. Like, who would have thought that Dayron Sharp would make would not only make but take more field goals than than Patty Mills in this one? And Patty played seven more minutes than him. You know, granted, Patty was a uh, you know plus two, so he was a positive on the floor, but still, uh, it's it's very concerning. Um, you know, I thought him going back to his bench role would be beneficial for him, and maybe it will. Maybe in the, maybe just this is just the first game he's getting adjusted to it, but. I'm looking for a better performance from him in Chicago. If not, I think there's a little bit of cause for concern. Yeah, I will say the one thing Patty did a good job of tonight, five assists, did create some things attacking some of those closeouts. But like you said, need more scoring production. Some of it's too, I think the Nets finding ways to generate more threes from him, maybe running more sets, whatever it might be, or just kind of getting that ball movement moving a little bit more. But sometimes it's tough because it might be Kevin Durant and Patty Mills on the floor, and those might be the only two three-point shooters out there. You know what I mean? And it's like, hey, we're making sure that the one guy that can knock down threes is not getting that touch. But um, anything else you want to talk about from this terrible performance from the Nets? Uh, nope. I just hope that they're uh, not serving beer on the plane, as uh, Ian Eagle alluded to earlier in the broadcast, and they're on to Chicago. Yeah, hopefully they don't get embarrassed in Chicago. That's obviously a tough matchup. Bulls playing some great basketball. We'll see what happens. Hopefully James Harden's back for that one as well, and we could see the full big three in that matchup. But, Justin, always a pleasure. Check the buzz on all streaming platforms, and we're out. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.